We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 144. We have two incredible guests today who have amazing stories. They were so much fun to have on, but they have incredible stories about how they got to where they are today as the president and the CEO of Parlanti International, which is arguably one of the best equestrian tall boots in our space today. So here to talk about the Parlanti passion, we have Alan Greenstein and Francesco Ianelli. I'm so excited to hear about your story and your boots because they are so iconic in our industry. But first, I would love to hear from each of you about how you kind of first found yourself in the equestrian industry. Alan, I don't know if you want to go first. Sure, absolutely. Well, we moved to Wellington in 2014 and my daughter Leia at the time was eight years old and she got into horses and started doing the hunter's jumpers. And she started doing it every year, competing all around. And I pretty much started being the good old dad I am, watching her compete with all the shows. Nice. And of course, Palanti was a well-known brand. And over time, in the equestrian circles, I had met uh, Francesco, and who was with Palanti. And that's pretty much how I got involved with Palanti. Yeah, so you're telling that it's my fault that you got involved in Parlante. I forget. Yeah, no, I'm Francesco. Yeah, I, I'm involved in Parlante since 18 years. I'm from Italy, from Rome. I was the first uh, non-member of the family to join the Parlante family, let's say like that. And uh, I started in Rome. I met Daniele, the founder. And from then, from that point on, was a, was a journey because then I used to. Daniele Daniele Parlanti is the is taking care of the of the production, and me and Alan we are taking care of the distribution. So we are like let's say a big family. Mm-hmm. We work all together, and I started in Europe, uh, then expanded in Asia, and then I arrived in in US in 2015 okay. to grow the company here because the, the market was so big and we 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 needed to have a company here. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And that's why we established ourselves in Wellington. And from that moment on, it's, it's what it is. Yeah. We are growing and, well, it's going good. Let's say Absolutely. That. Francesco, what was your experience uh, with horses prior to moving to the United States? Well, I... I tried, let's say, let's say I tried <laughs> to ride. It was okay. always, I mean, I love horses. Yeah. I love horses. And actually I got involved in all, all this because of friends riding horses. And I started to find out about this industry that was quite unknown because just talking about yeah, 18 years ago for me in Rome. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I tried to ride, but it was... I wasn't. I think it's better that I sell boats instead of buying horses. I'm better in that. I'm much better in doing that. 
Love it. And Alan, do you want to kind of walk me through how the two of you went from meeting each other to then being a part of Parlanti in Florida together? Absolutely. Well, my business, my background has always been business and I have a couple other businesses, not in the equestrian industry, but after meeting Francesco and he was telling me about how business, he runs business in Europe and how it's done outside the country. And I started telling him how businesses are different to how they run in the US. Mm-hmm. You know, we spoke together and we both had a vision on how we'd like to grow Palanti and how we could expand it. So with Francesco's European background and his background in the um, equestrian industry and with working with Palanti many years and with my business experience in the US, we got together and we had a vision together and we joined forces, came back about four or five years, and we've been very fortunate and it's been a really good, successful story for us. What have you found are, uh, you alluded to the idea of equestrian businesses and non-equestrian businesses. From your experience, Alan, what have been the major differences from being you know, on both sides in the, as far as the business standpoint? Well, on the business standpoint, I could tell, I can safely say the equestrian industry, the businesses are not run like corporate America. It's mm. a different world. It's a different breed. And you have to be so much more flexible. And when you deal with riders, not every, because most riders in this industry don't come from corporate America. And mm-hmm. you have to be more flexible. There's a different way to do business. There's a different ways you do terms on business. And also a lot of the equestrian business comes from overseas and from Europe. And the way the Europeans do business is so completely different to America that often you have to find a common ground to make things work together as a partnership. And I found that the most important thing is you have to be flexible in your dealings. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. So as you were, you know, you met, you got together, you decided, you know, you wanted to be a part of this endeavor of making Parlanti huge in the United States. What did it, what was kind of the the overall feeling of Parlanti Boots at that point in time at the beginning phases when you guys first were starting up in Wellington? Well, Wellington for us was, I mean, we have to we have to understand that Wellington is only one side of the American equestrian, the sure. North America, because there is a big, big, big market in California too. We don't have to forget, and the the two coasts are really different. Mm-hmm. Our boots were in that moment. It took it took us long time actually to establish Parlanti US. It took us because. Uh, Yes, we arrived in, uh, I arrived personally in the U.S. in 2015, but we had the boots here on the market before through shops or through, through agents. It took like seven, eight years before mm-hmm. the market was uh, ready for Parlanti because uh, the equestrian is so traditional. There were other brands before and it's, I don't know, it was so difficult to make people switch and and it was difficult to make them trust us. Like an Italian company coming here, the boots is very fashion, but it's even, it's a mix of tradition and fashion at the same time. And it wasn't easy, but when we came out with, because at the beginning the business was only custom boots. 
And then when we introduced on the market the ready-to-wear, uh, that was a boom. Mm -hmm. that, that was changing everything because our feeding, I don't want to say is the best, but it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I mean, I think something that is was so revolutionary with Parlanti boots, especially with the with the ready-to-wear, were the break-in time, I think, was just you know, in a league of its own. Yeah, yeah, because we try always to use the best material. And uh, actually, when you use best quality of calfskin, we decided to to stick to our... It's it's a, it's a soft leather, but it doesn't mean that it's last less. It depends how you build the boots. Mm -hmm. It's very technical. Yeah, it's true that the ready-to-wear as a fitting that it's really like a glove. And uh, the quality of the leather helps a lot because when you have stiff boots, it's uh, the quality of the leather is, uh, let's say, I don't want to say that there is less quality in that leather, but uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an average common leather that most of the brands are, are using because it's easy even to find on the market. Mm -hmm. We, all our leather is from Tuscany. We produce everything in Italy, in Rome, and we will never change. I mean, we are not going to produce anywhere else because we really love quality and uh, we stick to our tradition. Definitely. Is that, tell me a little bit about, Alan, I don't know if you want to answer this or whoever it would be most applicable to answer, because something I feel like a, a big factor that people look into when they are purchasing boots is the amount of drop that a boot has. Can one of you kind of explain what that is and then how that is for Parlanti boots? Huh. Um, I believe uh, the, the, this, is a, this is a technical question that I can answer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is a kind of myth in the U.S. because everyone is asking tall boots, tall boots, the uh -huh. boots must be tall, very tall. Sometimes they wear boots on top of their knee because uh -huh. they are scared that they drop. This is coming, this is coming from the past because... The Parlanti boots are very tight, even on the ankle, on the undercalf, and on the calf. Mm -hmm. So the real drop of the boots is 1.5 centimeter. So we are talking about three quarter of an inch. Right. Yeah, but people are used to old style boots where they drop a lot. Mm -hmm. So the beginning here, the market was very strange for me because they were asking these boots so tall that we had to create size. <laughs> We have a size, the extra tall, that is only it's only in the American market. Mm. It's not in Europe because nobody oh. wants boots so tall in Europe. Yeah. So it's really strange. But now we are trying to educate our customers because they have to follow us, like what we advise. Because sometimes when there is a lot of drop, you can break easily the zipper because mm. you will have a lot of wrinkle around your around the ankle. And this is that was the major causes of breaking zippers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, as I repeat, in my opinion, and what we check, what we saw is like the drop has to be one point five cent, one point five centimeter, so three quarter of an inch, and that's it. Not taller than that. Got it. That makes sense. Alan, what is the most popular boot? The one that is most sold in the United States? We have probably three of our top boots. Is the K boot. And then we have the Miami and we have the Denver boot. Those are our three most popular ones. 
Can you and tell me a little bit about each model and kind of how they differ? On that, I'm actually going to give you back to Francesco because he's more in the intricate part of that. So he yeah. can give you the actual breakdown on those. Let's hear it. Yeah. The Miami boots is our classic field boots. So we laces. And the Denver is the dress boot. So, and then we have this collection, the K collection. And it is, it's built totally in buffalo leather because the Miami and the Denver are calfskin mm -hmm. and the K boots are buffalo. And the buffalo, the buffalo is seven times, the fiber of the buffalo is seven times stronger than the calf. Wow. So, yeah, those boots are like, they, they last very, very long. Like now we see that the biggest rider in the world are only riding in K boots. You can see Ken Farrington. He doesn't want any other, any other model of boots. He just wants the K boots. Wow. And then how do those differ, the buffalo versus the calfskin, as far as drop, as far as, you know, the, the wear-in time, the life of the boot? How, how do those kind of differ? Well, the life of the boots, of a buffalo boots, is much longer than a calfskin. Mm -hmm. The calfskin looks beautiful. Aesthetically, right. it's very beautiful. There are more veins on the, on the buffalo, on the leather. But, I mean, if you go very close to the boot, yes, you can see it. Sure. It's not that elegant like the Miami and the Denver, like the calfskin. But technically, it's incredible. It's incredible because it lasts long and gives you a lot of grip, and it's very soft. Mm -hmm. the, the, the crazy thing is it's softer than the calfskin, but lasts longer. Mm. Wow. What would you say are between dress boot and field boot is do you have kind of an overwhelming amount of preference for one or the other well the miami the field boots they are more common mm -hmm. even if me personally i would always go for the denver the dress boot because they're easy to clean. Yeah. yeah so easy to clean and they are always more elegant in my mm -hmm. opinion but the field boots is the classic boots right so, yeah, yeah, some people need those laces. Yes, and of course, of course, there is more elasticity for the food. There is more space for the food because, of course, you are not closing the shoes. You can; they are open. They are open sure, on the, yeah. the instep, so it's so fits more people, of course. Right. Right. Okay, so I have a question for you listening because I honestly used to dread having to get prescriptions filled for my animals. Does the idea of having to re-up your prescriptions give you anxiety? I used to be the same way, but then I started shopping at FarmVet. They make it so easy to get my prescriptions filled. All I have to do is order online and they do the rest. On top of making your prescription buying hassle-free, they also have a very knowledgeable staff that I can bounce things off of when I'm questioning a supplement my horse is currently using or considering trying something new. Plus, I love how easy it is to set up and manage auto shipments, so I know my horses always have what they need when they need it. Whether you're shopping online or over the phone, which I've also done all the time because it's super quick, you'll get free shipping on all of your orders over $79. Thinking about giving them a try? You can use my code MYEQUESTRIANSTYLE to get 10% off your first order. Check out FarmVet at farmvet.com. That's F-A-R-M-V-E-T dot com. Again, that is 10% off your order by using code MyEquestrianStyle. Some restrictions do apply, like prescriptions and price-protected brands, so make sure you see store for details. Thank you so much, FarmVet. All right, let's get back to the episode. 
Alan, tell me a little bit about your role, kind of what a day-to-day looks like for you with Parlanti. Yeah, I'm more of the back office. Francesca's more of the face of the company. He's more with our sponsored riders. He's more in the field, I would say. Mm -hmm. I'm more back office running of the company from dealing with our, you know, signing contracts with our sponsored riders, dealing with foundations that we support, doing the payroll, the hiring, the finances. So I'm more of the running of a company. You're the brains. I'm, I'm more well, like well, the brains. Let, let's not exaggerate. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to add the looks also. Okay. Oh, wow, the full package. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm leaving. The- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, I, I deal with that, you know, if, I have any, if we have any questions from some of our customers, if we have any special requests, because we, you know, we get emails from overseas, locally, we have a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. So I try to be in touch with our clients all the time and just have an open communication with them. So yeah, I'm the one that yells at everyone because we spend too much, so he's yelling at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Love it. What would you say is an area of the industry that each of you are really passionate about? that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? Well, I'm going to actually answer this one. You know, the pretty much we like to give back. Everyone has supported Polanti so much as community, most places in this country. So we like to give back. And we support a couple of foundations. Like the first foundation we support is the Equus Foundation. We try to donate about 50 to 60 pairs of boots to this foundation a year. Wow. Because, yeah, because we know we give back and a lot of riders don't have the money. They have the talent, but they don't have the economic ability to Mm -hmm. ride, to afford the boots and everything. And so we, we want to do people that have potential that love the sport. We just want to give them a fair shot at it and to help them realize their dream. So that's the one thing which a lot of people don't realize yeah. Because everyone thinks, you know, the horses are so expensive, the gear is so expensive, and everyone can afford it. And that's not the case. Definitely. And, yeah, that's a great point. And then yeah. another foundation we we very big on, that's called the Hopes, Horses, and Dreams. We give a percentage of all our sales towards this. This is a farm in Jupiter, and they do two things. A lot of horses that get injured doing hunters, jumpers, a lot of riders lose interest. They don't want the animals anymore, which is pretty sad. Mm. So what this foundation does is they take the horses, they give them treatment. Sometimes they need surgery. Sometimes they just have to be retired and they keep them in the fields and feed them. So they do a lot with the animals. They've done, over the last 10 years, I think they've rescued and saved over 120 horses. And what they also do is what they do, they give rides and they give lessons to people with special needs, senior citizens, veterans. Just, and it's a win when it's, you know, they love the um, ability to be with the horses. It's very therapeutic for them. And it gives something for the horses that are now retired. So they have a, a meaning to do something. And Sue Copeland actually runs that foundation. Okay. And we're just very happy to be part of that. Wow. That's great. Yeah, I think that that's definitely a great perspective to have within the industry and a great reminder that, you know, you 
love being a part of the the top of the sport and you know focusing on all of the top athletes and the real core of our sport are the you know your everyday rider your rider that takes on a second job so that they can pay for board or pay for lessons for their horse and i mean i think those are the um, parts of the equestrian space that really need to be celebrated and supported exactly right yeah we never have to forget the, the question for us is a passion. Yes, of course, it's a business, but it's a passion. There are animals involved, and it's important. It's important to support the community. Definitely. Francesco, was there a pivotal point that you kind of have in your head as a kind of a special memory or the turning point for when Parlanti really took off in the United States? Yes. I, I mean, I'm, I remember... When we started to introduce uh, these ready-to-wear, ready-to-wear boots at, at the beginning, we mm-hmm. really didn't believe in it. Mm. And uh, then we started to notice that the request was so high. I remember because we didn't have the capacity to produce so many boots. I remember the, like in 2014, we, we tried. We had like 50 pairs of boots at WEF. And then disappeared in two weeks. Hmm. And we were like, oh, oh, and now what do we do? <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't produce more. Yeah. Yeah, because we, the factory, we have a factory in Rome where everything, everything is handmade. And uh, I mean, we didn't have the employees. And uh, we, we weren't really like even ordering leather and uh, everything that is connected to the production of a boat, we weren't ready. So we had like an explosion and we couldn't, covering the we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't supply the market and there was a moment where everybody said like eh, we ordered parlanti boots but we cannot get them it mm-hmm. takes like six months to get boots wow yeah what is wrong with them uh, what is wrong with us uh, the request was too high <laughs> we yeah. didn't we didn't expect that wow yeah i mean that's how we are much that. more well organized <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow that's so cool i mean that definitely was I'm sure huge for your business. And it it seems like, I mean, obviously I know this wasn't the case, but it seems like overnight, like during, I, I, I guess I don't even remember which year that would have been during WEF circuit, but it was like overnight, everyone was wearing Parlanti boots. And so I was, I was yeah. curious if there was a specific moment or idea, which it sounds like this, the ready to wear concept was just. No, unique. but you know, there, there was a day, there was a day that I remember I was really impressed. It was uh, uh, the World Championship, the WAG in France, mm. in Normandy, mm-hmm. where I remember, like, I was watching the team competition, the Nations Cup, and I noticed, like, wow, it's like 70% of the boats are Palantir. Wow. Then I was watching, I was reading the ranking, the FEI ranking, and, like, in the first 50 we had like 35 riders. Oh my gosh. I was like, wow, I think, I think we're going good. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think this is working. Yeah. 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 That, that I would never forget because I was mm-hmm. like impressed. Then when, yeah, then we had like riders winning, I mean, global champions tour or Olympics mm-hmm. or championship. And that's a satisfaction because it's like, it's not like that we are looking for riders. The riders are looking for us. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a satisfaction. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was going, and another question I wanted to ask you, as far as your, you know, top sponsored riders, how did some of those partnerships, I mean, obviously you have some huge riders, I obviously think of like Kent Farrington and, and people who swear by your boots that are really, really at the top of our sport. How do those kind of partnerships come to be as far as them wearing your boots and then repping your boots and I mean, really helping you be the face of Parlanti? Well, uh, the strange thing is, I mean, the equestrian now is very big and, and it's becoming very popular because sure. you, can see, you can see it on TV. Like with the Global Champions Tour, there was like, it was a huge step for the equestrian. But for example, I remember Kent, like in a World Cup final in Kuala Lumpur, it was like, I think it was like 18, 17, and he was already riding in Parlante. Or like Edwin Alexander, I was... Uh, I was very friend with the brother, with the mother in Australia and with her personally. And then they became this big athlete. But usually we are very interested in sponsoring the young talent. Mm-hmm. And we get the rider very young. And uh, yeah, like he has, then they become what they become. But it's very difficult that we go to approach somebody that is already established because, you know, the company started in 1987 mm-hmm. and uh, the question was small was small for was wasn't that popular it was just a sport let's say for rich people mm-hmm. in that moment and then it started to be like it was always a real sport don't misunderstand but then it started to be so popular mm-hmm. and uh, wasn't that difficult to, to approach the riders i mean now now it's changing a bit yeah now it's becoming like uh, like golf, uh, like uh, Formula One. That's 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 uh, that's what is where it's going. So the sponsorship are becoming more difficult. But I mean, there are the riders. They want us. It's not like we have to beg somebody. Hey, please, please wear, wear our boots. boots. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I would yeah. never do that. Absolutely. Wow, that's so cool. I mean, it's so exciting to see how you how Parlanti in general came from a obviously a very successful company in Europe but maybe just not as you know easily accessible or well known in the United States and how within just a short period of time I mean even just saying how how old the company is from the very beginning from the 80s I mean until now there has been so much success and so I think a lot of that has to do with the two of you and how you have created such an amazing dynamic within America. And then, of course, with the, the, the prevalence of social media and sponsored riders, I just think it has been such an incredible journey to watch. Yes, yes, yes. But I have to thank even uh, the team because what we do in our, our, in our business is we always work with the same people. Like mm. it's very rare that somebody starts to work with us and then is leaving. Mm. There are some people we are all together since ten years. Wow! We cool. Change. We try to create a family. Like we are all the same. There's no boss, owner, uh, financial director. No, we are all the same. Yeah. That's what we try because we are not talking about. We are not Apple or Amazon. This mm-hmm. is this is a different business, and you have to be. As Alan said, we have to be flexible. Definitely. Absolutely. And uh, that's what we like to create. If somebody works with us, they have to be happy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think they are. I, I think that it's exciting to see. Do you, do you have any certain goals or big plans? I know it's been very unique times and has 
COVID and everything really affected your production and how you've been going about doing business? Well, Alan, you can talk about that. Yeah, you, you know what? As crazy as it sounds, since with COVID last year and this year, we continue, continue to break our records. Hmm. We, our sales will go up every year 15, 20, 25%. Great. And we've been very blessed. You know, we obviously, we feel bad for most people that have got COVID and it's a horrible virus, mm-hmm. but it's, it's been good for us. It's the business on the business side. We've, you know, it hasn't really affected us. It's, it's actually grown. Hmm. And we measure our success by our repeat customers. And we have over 95% repeat customers. Wow. And that's huge in our that's industry. Huge. We don't lose them. Once we get a customer, we don't lose them, which tells us our product is great. And we, and we never rest on our laurels. We always try to look ahead. We always in Rome, we always working on our boots, looking at the next models, mm-hmm. looking at the next things. Because we get a lot of feedback from our sponsored riders and people in general, they'll email us saying, hey, what about this? What about that? Yeah. And we listen to what they say. And we're always looking at bettering our product. And this way, we, you know, we can keep everyone happy and we keep the business growing. Love it. Amazing. Well, I am so excited to see where this next year takes the two of you and Parlanti, but Francesco and Alan, thank you so much for taking the time to give us a little rundown of Parlanti. It's so exciting. And I wish both of you all the best. Thank Thank you you so much. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.